Hello, and welcome to the My Messy Church podcast. Each week, we'll be going through your questions from the weekend services and doing our best to present answers from a biblical perspective. If you haven't yet listened to the weekend sermon, I want to encourage you to head over to curtislake.org backslash media for context of what we will be discussing today. We love getting your questions and cannot wait to grow together. So without further ado, let's dive into My Messy Church. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome back uh, for the first time in a long time, the My Messy Church podcast. Uh, I feel like I'm doing this for the very first time. It's been several weeks, I think, uh, since we were last uh, together. So uh, this morning, we're actually recording this uh, this podcast based on a message from three weeks ago, I guess. And so if, uh, if you're trying to reconnect them, I don't know if we have the ability to organize these uh, after the fact, but uh, I, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get it. But um, yeah, it, from three weeks ago, uh, the, the text that we were in uh, is 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, and so if you want to refer back to that, we just have a few questions and we might actually, uh, there's only, yeah, one, two, three, four questions. Uh, and so if, if they don't take a real long time to go through, then uh, we may pause for a moment and then kind of switch over to uh, the questions from the following week and just package it all together in this one podcast. So uh, either this will get broken up into the two podcasts or there may be, um, uh, they may be combined together, but uh, let's get started. So the first question uh, is this, can you clarify how this passage and judge not lest you be judged are contradict aren't contradictory? Uh, so that's a good question. Just as a reminder, the 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 passage you know had to do with this uh, the church's negligence and actually uh, bringing some judgment and ultimately following through on the judgment for uh, what was happening in the church and uh, and so Paul's on the one hand he's accusing the church of failing to properly judge what's going on inside the church with respect to an actual situation that needed. Uh, judgment needed adjudication needed ultimately for the church to do something about the situation, not just let it kind of go on um, uncontested. Uh, so the person's saying, "Well, what's the difference between that and and the uh, the mantra we hear all the time? Judge not, lest ye be judged." So I think I would just remind us all that the that the, that second one that is often quoted uh, uh, as a reflection of something that Jesus said, right? It, it We just have to be really, really careful uh, and not take that to be some simple absolute statement that there's no such thing as judging. Uh, just imagine what society would be like if there was no judgment. So everybody was just kind of free to do whatever they wanted and never, ever, ever were two opposing parties ultimately brought uh, into a, a place where some uh, where some judgment had to be determined. Or uh, let's just say people could take part in any manner of criminal behavior, and 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 ultimately, like the rest of society, just said, "Well, we can't we can't judge that behavior," and so we just throw out things like. The, the judicial system and all that. So I think just from a practical standpoint, we all understand and recognize that there is no such thing as never judging. We, we, we have 
judgment in society when it comes to uh, our justice system. But even beyond that, there is judgment that we are sometimes in a position that we have to make even with respect to other people, right? As individuals, uh, we we need to make judgments all the time. I mean, is it improper for me to evaluate uh, another person's behavior uh, and 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 just like somehow remove myself from any kind of characterization of whether or not that behavior is good or bad? Of course not, right? Like I have to, I have to ultimately sort of judge for myself whether or not that's something that I consider to be appropriate uh, or to be good or bad, uh, and 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 if good, perhaps I try to reproduce it myself uh, and try to be more like that. If it's bad, then maybe I, uh, I try to look at that and wonder about myself. Do I do that sometimes? Or am, am I sometimes guilty of that? Maybe, maybe not as glaring and obvious as this other person is demonstrating right now, but like, do I have a little bit of that in me? And, and I can use that as some self-evaluation as well. So uh, judgment, like this absolute statement of don't ever judge somebody else. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And nobody believes that. And nobody actually does that. And also that's not what Jesus meant when he said it. So um, I, I think it's w within the church context where this passage is saying that it is the church's responsibility to take a situation that's happening within its community that is ultimately detrimental to the life and the health of the community, and they need to do something about it. And they need to not uh, they need to not be fearful, uh, but rather they need to go into that courageously. Uh, certainly graciously, right? And this is when, when, when churches are maybe really good at uh, calling people to account a lot of times, you know, if that's happening so frequently within the life of the church, then there's a good chance that the culture of that church is not very gracious, right? It's not leaving any room whatsoever for the weaknesses or deficiencies um, that are naturally going to be a part of every single one of our lives. And so, um, yeah, so that's a problem. And also when it comes to, when it comes to judging other people, uh, there always has to be a deep sense of just reservation on, on, on what that even looks like. Uh, part of the problem with the way we judge is we rush to conclusions. Uh, we fail to actually get to a place of really, really deep understanding of what is actually going on there. And we short circuit that and get to this place where we, 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 we characterize something uh, as if we know absolutely all that's going on there. And that's why sometimes we'll talk about when it comes to judgment that the ultimate judgment belongs to God, right? I can, I can judge uh, a, to some degree a person's behaviors, but what's very difficult is for me to judge another person's heart. In fact, I guess impossible for me to judge another person's heart. And so that's, that's why the very careful work of, of, of patience, long suffering of grace toward another person that says, you know, uh, is, is all I'm seeing this, this outward manifestation of behavior, or can I maybe just kind of take a step back and, and, and try to either wait on or even investigate or, or, you know, come alongside and, and ask really, really good, um, uh, person honoring questions that might help me maybe understand a little better what is actually going on there. And then, you know, see how I might be able to help another person. If I just simply have the attitude that, uh, somebody else is doing something that I would never do. And so therefore I can, you know, point my finger at them, sneer 
my nose, uh, then, you know, that's one of those, okay, well just be really, really careful when assessing another person's deficiencies that they don't ultimately become your own. I mean, how many times have we seen somebody just rail against something that somebody else has done? And then we find out, you know, two years later that, um, you know, for the last year and a half, they were doing the same exact thing and they were just doing a better job of keeping it a secret. So, uh, hopefully that's helpful. Uh, the second question is, uh, so, uh, based on the example of a Curtis Lake partner or leader was sexually immoral and the whole church knew about it, how would that be handled with grace and truth? So, um, you know, first of all, let me just speak to this. It, it, and if the whole church knew about it business, um, I, I don't, when it comes to, when it comes to like, say a, uh, a ministry, a partner of Curtis Lake, right? These are, these are our voting members of the church who by becoming voting members, uh, they, what they, what people do when they enter into that relationship is, you know, it's, it's a kind of covenant that they make with the church body. Uh, they, the people who are ministry partners here are essentially covenant, a uh, covenant, covenanting, uh, promising to support the church. Uh, they support the church, uh, with their tithe, right? There's the expectation that all ministry partners are bringing in the full tithe, a full 10%, um, of their income to the church as a, as an acknowledgement of obedience to God. Um, secondly, they're, they're investing their life into the church. They are, uh, they're, they're volunteering, they're serving somewhere. They're not just kind of standing on the sidelines, really doing nothing and not contributing to the life of the church. Uh, they're also saying that they, uh, they are in alignment with the essential beliefs, the doctrine and practices of the church. And that would include, you know, certain lifestyle requirements, uh, which would be to, uh, to, to ultimately be living a life that's free from sexual immorality. Now, to be free from sexual immorality doesn't mean that a person will never, ever, ever be maybe guilty of sexual immoral behavior. Uh, like we kind of talked about this past Sunday, when it comes to porneia, right? The Greek word that is this big umbrella term for sexual immorality. Like this touches a lot of our lives. And so if we, if we just simply uh, dismiss every single person that has ever or will ever be guilty of pornea, then uh, we wouldn't have a church probably. So uh, we make a distinction between the the um, sometimes the, the the things that we fall into um, when it comes to sin, right? That like people sin, people. Uh, people make decisions to go against God's commandments, right? And so that uh, that is obviously a problem. And when a person does, they need to confess that sin. They need to repent of it and they need to stop doing it, right? They need to show remorse for that sinfulness and turn to God and rely on his power and strength to help them uh, walk away from, flee from that, that sin. So anyway, there's this commitment to living a, a life that is seeking to be lived in purity and not sexual immorality. Uh, so yeah, again, getting back to like, if the whole church knew about it, it just sort of makes it sound like there's going to be some cases where, you know, some things might be hidden in, uh, in a, in a, in a negative way. Um, so yeah, I guess it, it kind of depends. It really depends. Um, I, I suppose I would need, I, there's probably 17 different circumstances where the nuance of exactly how we would handle that 
would be different uh, in terms of uh, the communication even after the fact, or let, let's say, first of all, like how do we actually mediate this, this problem of sexual morality? How do we, in a, in a, in a loving, gracious, God honoring, Christ honoring, kingdom honoring way, help this brother or sister who has fallen um, to be restored, right? Because that is ultimately the goal. If somebody, if a, if a Christian, if a true follower of Christ stumbles and falls morally, then it is on the church body to come alongside that person and, and ultimately see them restored to full fellowship with the body. Um, now, what that person who has fallen does, it plays a huge part in exactly how that goes, right? If, if, if that person doesn't want to be restored or is indicating by uh, an unwillingness to repent of their behavior, they're just going to, they're going to say, well, this, you know, this is what I'm doing. Um, you can say that this is rebellion against God or against God's commandments. And I, you know, do with it what you want, but I'm going to, uh, I'm just, I'm going to keep sleeping with my girlfriend, you know, or I'm gonna sleep, keep sleeping with my boyfriend and, and that's it. It would be irresponsible for church leadership to just ignore that or pretend that it's nothing. Uh, so ultimately there would have to be some kind of discipline, uh, enacted. And so uh, if, if we were talking about a ministry partner, then that would be probably removal from uh, the ministry partner roster, right? They would essentially lose that status within the church, which uh, you could say is a big deal or no big deal. Um, it, it definitely is something that feels a lot less than the, you know, the excommunication that a person living in the medieval church might have experienced, or, um, or, or even something worse than that. But yeah, I, I mean, we can only do. I, I, like I've said a, a thousand times, I mean, I don't, I don't actually have any real power or authority over the individual free willed lives that other people in our church are living. Um, people that come to church here and make themselves a part of the church are sort of doing that on a voluntary basis. And the extent to which they allow the church to be a kind of influence and authority in their lives is really up to them. And they can, they can do that for a while and then just walk away. I mean, this isn't, this isn't some strange cult where the doors are locked from the inside and once somebody's in, they can never get out. Uh, now, I do wish and long for a day where we see deeper connections and stronger ties. Uh, like right now, if if somebody just walks away, it's, they, they kind of, you know, that's, uh, this happens, right? People walk away and that's just, that, that's sort of it. I mean, that's, that that unfortunately, that's just part of our, uh, our modern evangelical, um, culture, right? There's, there's lots of evangelical churches to go to. If you want to stop coming to church here and go to another church, or there's not a lot of pressure, especially in our culture and climate where we're like our, the spiritual climate where we live, there's not, there's not exactly a lot of pressure that you're going to feel from your neighbors to go to church or, uh, the people that you go to work with, like nobody's going to look down on you on Monday morning when you show up at the office and they're like, you know, how is church this Sunday? And you say, well, I didn't go. And then, and then they, they look at you sideways because they just, they, they can't believe you, you're, you know, you're this apostate that skipped church. I mean, I'm like, chances are, you're not going to be asked that question. So, uh, it's very, very easy for people to just kind of slip away, fall away. Uh, but when it comes to a person that wants to maybe 
have, um, a, you know, or is called to a place that, that has some influence or is required to lead, then there's, there's a standard that is necessarily in place that that person has to meet. And we don't require of our leaders that they have to be perfect, uh, because none of us would actually live up to that. But uh, you know, at the same time, I and mean, we've had situations before where, you know, somebody's made a, a, what we would describe as a moral choice that is oriented away from God, um, that if I could say just quite plainly is disobedient to God's commands for our lives with what we do with, um, with our bodies, whether it's a, you know, it's a, uh, a question of our sexuality or a question of, um, uh, how we're handling, you know, our money, right? Like, I mean, people can be immoral with, uh, with how they handle their money. Right? If it was known that one of our leaders was, uh, was cheating uncle Sam, cheating on their taxes, was doing something that was criminal behavior, um, not, not sexually, but just on a, on a monetary level. I mean, that would be as problematic and, and we'd have to do something about that as well. But anyway, we've, yeah, we've had, we've had instances where we've had to have a person step down from leadership because it, it like, we, it, it couldn't stand that that person would continue to lead in ministry while at the same time making the very conscious and willful decision to do something that was contrary to what God commands for our lives without and, 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 and having the sort of, well, you know, you can take it or leave it kind of attitude. So, uh, I, I, that that's probably like in broad strokes, how we might handle something like that. Um, again, the, the severity of, of, of how we like, obviously, you know, if it were me, I would be handled much more differently than, uh, um, you know, another person that maybe has, you know, some, some leadership role as a volunteer in our church. Right. Uh, and, and, that, and that's to be expected, right. When I, given the responsibilities that I have, those responsibilities carry with them a certain weight as well. And a certain degree of communication that would, you know, be necessary if I was, uh, if I was embezzling money from the church and it got found out, the last thing the church ought to do is try to just sweep that under the rug and make me go away quietly. Uh, what they ought to do is is be very, very open and transparent about you know what has been discovered and um, and what they're doing to ultimately remedy that situation. I would need to be removed and uh, a procedure put in place that may ultimately lead to some kind of restoration, but there's a pretty good chance that that's one of those things that you never come back from. And I mean, that's just, that goes with the territory. And so, you know, where you might fall on the leadership ladder is it's, it's going to have, um, it's going to have different degrees of consequences as well. Uh, next question is how can we as brothers and sisters in Christ lovingly hold, uh, another follower accountable? Uh, so, you know, again, we, we kind of talk about this and I, I think there's, there's an ideal that we ultimately want to aspire to. And then there's just the reality of where we are. And, and again, I don't, I don't know who's listening to this, uh, but if you're a person that's deeply tied into and connected to the church and you're actually, uh, doing the kinds of things that we would say are indicative of, uh, the spiritual practices of a follower of Jesus, like you're in, you're, you're praying, uh, daily throughout the day, uh, like you have, 
a real relationship with God um, that is that's being lived out in a life of prayer. If you're reading God's word, if you are gathering together with uh, somebody or a few somebodies very routinely and you're sharing life where you're, you're sharing your struggles, uh, honestly, confessing sin, even uh, praying for one another, uh, the the accountability that's formed and, and and inviting those people to hold you accountable, inviting those people to ask you invasive questions. Like when, when you do share, you know, some particular struggle, you almost have the expectation that um, going forward, people are going to ask you about that. They're going to ask you how you're doing in this area. And, and you're going to hopefully be honest with, with that, you know, it's like, all right, you know, I'm in this season where I just like, I'm feeling great victory and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really kind of winning this battle and, and you can celebrate and praise God for that and just pray for God's continued grace to be poured out in that. Or if you, you fall off the wagon, um, and, and they ask you and, and it's almost like you didn't, you didn't even want to get together that week because you knew somebody was going to ask you and you're going to have to give them an honest answer. And it was going to be a little, embarrassing. I mean, that's, that's not a bad thing. That's a beautiful thing to have people in your life that can actually come alongside you and, and know you exactly as you are, like really, really see into you and then still accept you, still embrace you, still love on you, challenge you. Yes. Hold you accountable. Yes. Tell you you're being a knucklehead. Yes. You know, um, uh, not physically, but like figuratively slap you upside the head and say, what are you, you know, what are you doing here? And, and, you know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that you're right. You're right. You're right. Let's let, like, let's go to the Lord in prayer on this. Let's pray even harder um, that God will help me with this particular thing. That's, that's, that's what the, that's what brotherhood and sisterhood is supposed to look like. That's what the church is supposed to look like. Now that probably is the reality for a very, very small percentage of us. Uh, again, in modern day evangelicalism, I mean, we're just, what we're do, we're, what churches become is this place where we're invited to come Sunday after Sunday, sing some songs and listen to a sermon and then go home waiting for the next Sunday service where we're going to repeat the exact same thing. And that's, and we think we're, we're being Christians. We think we're living the Christian life and it's just that that's a, that's a, that's actually just a tiny percentage of what it means to actually live Christianly. Uh, and so, uh, if that's all you're doing, then a question like this is, it's probably going to feel pretty irrelevant because you're not inviting people into your life to hold you accountable. Uh, and so that, that would be one of the things that, that we need to do. You've got to find a space where you can actually build and form very, very long-term, long-lasting relationships with people that you can know and love and trust um, to be those accountability partners, uh, for you. It, what, what'll happen is when you start going astray without accountability, there's a really good chance that like a, like an unanchored ship that just begins to drift with the wind, like you're just going to, uh, you know, the waves are going to kind of pull you away from, from where you want to be and from where you ought to be. And, uh, and, and at some point you're, you, you, maybe you're awakened to it or you never awaken to the reality that you have just, you ended up in a completely different place, um, from where you were, it, you know, that's, I'm sure a lot of people, um, well, if there were a lot of people listening to this, uh, a lot of people might be able to describe, uh, what if, you know, uh, uh, this experience of, of having drifted away when you have, 
when, when you're tethered, right. When you're anchored, if you're a ship or when you're tethered to another person, then it's like, well, there's a, there's a little bit of leash there maybe. Um, but you know, you can only get this far away and then, and then ultimately you have to, you're, you're going to be brought back. And so, uh, again, I just say, uh, to kind of close out that question, Christianity is not a life that is meant to be lived alone. In fact, I just, I would say it cannot be lived alone. Uh, that is a, a very, very weak form of the Christian life that we are called to. We need, this is why the church is so important. This is why the church is actually necessary. This is why you can't just attend church online if you're able-bodied and able to be among other people. Um, you, you, then you need to do that. And it needs to be more than just Sunday morning. It's got to be far more than that. All right. And the last question uh, for this segment is, does Curtis Lake Christian Church practice excommunicating members who do not repent or turn away from a known sin such as sexual immorality. Uh, and so I, I guess I would say, I, I mean, excommunication probably sounds far too strong. You know, excommunication was a, um, in, in some religious contexts, it is a very, very formal um, kind of removal uh, of a person from the body, you know? So I, I don't know if, I don't know if Catholicism like still does this or if this is a big thing, but like to be, to, to, to properly be a, um, a Catholic member, you know, a member of the, the, the Roman Catholic church say there are certain things you have to do as rites of initiation. So for one, you have to be baptized. Like there's no such thing as a Roman, a, a true Roman Catholic who hasn't been baptized. Uh, and so that baptism uh, often happens as an infant where water is sprinkled on you and you're baptized in the church. I suppose if you convert at a later time, you know, maybe they do something similar, but there's, there's, there's some kind of, some kind of rite of initiation of baptism. And, and, and that affords you certain privileges as well as which, uh, you know, the, the most important of which I think is that you can, you, you can receive uh, the Eucharist, which is considered to be a, a way that God dispenses his grace, you know, over and over and over again into the life of a person. It, it's a, it's a necessary, uh, spiritual discipline, uh, for that person. And so like, if I walked into a Catholic church, my understanding is even like as a, as a Christian, but as a Christian that has not been baptized in the Catholic church or confirmed, um, I think I would not be welcome to receive communion, right? Because I'm not, I'm, I'm not actually a member of the Catholic church. Uh, so let's say, let's say you are a member and then you are, you, you're found guilty of, you know, some kind of sin that is the, the punishment for which is excommunication and you're having this unwillingness to repent of it. And, um, and, and so the church makes the decision to excommunicate you, which means you're put out of the fellowship which essentially means I, I I doubt that means you can't walk through the doors of the church like during a mass, but you're not going to be able to participate in the mass when it comes to receiving the Lord's Supper, and you're not going to be seen as a person who is part of uh, the kingdom of God. So here at our church, I mean, it's just it's a different kind of setup, right? Like we are so we are an organization uh, that has a, a board and voting members and all that stuff, and so we satisfy the requirements of the law as a nonprofit organization. Uh, and then we are also this spiritual organic, um, collective of people. Right. Uh, and that's, that's really the heart of, uh, uh, of, of what we are. 
so like I already said, you know, there's, I think there are certainly situations where a person who has, again, voluntarily subscribed to the various requirements of what it means to be a member or a leader within our church, um, if they decide voluntarily not to satisfy those requirements anymore, or willfully go and, you know, begin living in such a way that is contrary to what the belief and the practices of the church are, so they're now they're out of alignment, then yes, uh, we, we, we would probably have to act on that and remove that person as a leader from the church or as a voting member of the church. Uh, same kind of scenario though. I, I like, we're not, we don't post their picture on the on the on the wall and tell the security people not to let the person in the doors. Um, in fact, everything that we want to do is provide like every opportunity possible for that person to ultimately be restored, right? I mean, we really do believe in redemption. We really do believe in God's relentless forgiveness. Uh, it, it's something that we have to you know, embrace, uh, for ourselves, but like, that's my call as a, as a, as a brother, you know, or sister, as a, as a friend, um, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever role I happen to find myself in, like, I, I, I want people ultimately to be, I want people to come to Christ. I want people who have walked away from Christ to, to come back to Christ. Uh, and so, um, yeah, redemption is really kind of at the heart of, uh, hopefully all the ways in which we'd handle, you know, certain situations like that, which can be difficult. Um, and I, fortunately, fortunately we haven't, I'm going to say we haven't had to, uh, there's probably, we've probably actually been, if anything, we've probably been remiss in being a little more intentional about holding people accountable. And I suspect that, you know, part of this whole thing that we're doing in first Corinthians is, is trying to ultimately flesh out the kind of church that we really, really want to be and then start to go after that. And so the way we've been is not necessarily the way we're always going to be. And uh, I expect that we will be in the days to come a lot more intentional with uh, trying to bring people along. Uh, last, uh, we were talking about this in our staff meeting today. Uh, you know, we have lots of people that come to church here that aren't following Jesus. And that's, that's wonderful. And that's great. Uh, but we're also not content with that. I mean, ultimately we want people to embrace Christ. We want people to be convicted of sin. We want people to turn from their wicked ways and turn to God and experience his forgiveness and his grace in their lives, and then see their hearts being transformed as they begin walking with and following Jesus. Like that's what we want. And it's no good. Uh, if we just, if, if we meet Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and, and, and nobody's moving, nobody's, nobody's actually growing, then everything that we're doing is, is pointless. And so I kind of shared with everybody that, you know, we want to be a place that, that, um, that with grace and, and, and in gentleness and respect is, is still sharp, sharp enough to instigate, sharp enough to poke into prod. You know, I want people, uh, to, uh, from time to time to say, ouch, you know, that, that, that kind of hit me. And I, I need to, I need to bring this before the Lord and do something about this. I need to bring this into my conversations with my other spiritual friends and, and ask them to help me to do better 
um, in this area of my life. I need to ask for God's help and God's strength to help me to do better in this area of my life as well, right? Like that's a pursuit that we're all on, uh, becoming more like Jesus. Uh, and so, all right, I guess I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I think we're going to take a quick break and then uh, we'll come back with uh, the questions from next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of My Messy Church. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to head to your app store and download the Curtis Lake Church app for easy access to all of our content. Thank you so much for joining us, and we can't wait to be with you next week.